0: Welcome to the next edition of Priestess Mercury. We'll begin with a grounding invocation. I welcome you to close your eyes as well if you're able. As we call upon the north, the east, the south, and the west. Earth, air, fire, and water And all of our angels, ancestors, and allies, the priestess Mercury channel through Matt and I, and all the support for all listening, grounding us in our bodies, in the soul, in the center of Gaia, in the center of the galaxy, in the center of the universe, in the center of oneness, in the center of the smallest single-cell bacteria, all the way up, all the way down. May the words flow, the message be clear, and may we all find ourselves present, clear, and here.
1: so to be. Somo to be. So today uh, is, uh, we're recording on Monday, May the 10th at 11.58 a.m. uh, here on the West Coast in Seattle. And uh, we've got a lot going on this month. Astrologically speaking, we've got a new moon tomorrow, which is the last of the moon cycles before we hit the next set of eclipses, uh, which the first one kicks off on May 26th, which will be a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. Uh, and, you know, this uh, this year, these, uh, these eclipses, this is the last of the eclipses we'll be having in um, uh, Gemini and Sagittarius. The nodes will be moving on to uh, Taurus and Scorpio. And, you know, we'll be back uh, in the fall to talk about that transition, uh, because it'll be a big one. Uh, but right now, you know, we want to talk about this new moon in Taurus. It's got a lot of Uh, connection to the outer planets Uh, it's you know loosely conjunct Uranus Uh, is very tight sextile to Neptune uh, and a trine to uh, Pluto and a square to Jupiter so there's a lot going on uh, with this uh, this moon coming up it's a new moon so you know this is going to be the uh, seed of something that is going forward for the next uh, month Uh, And, you know, at the end of a cycle, you know, this is like the last chapter in a book in a certain sense. So uh, the last
0: chapter in the in the foundation uh, for mm -hmm. the eclipse, full moon, all the energy that we're coming into starting at the end of May, Mercury will also be going retrograde at the end of May as well. So it's like we're heading into the I feel like with eclipse season, we're like heading into the funnel. Mm-hmm. like heading in heading into because the eclipse seasons that happen every year they're like activation portals they bring that change and the fresh energy the nodes switching are going to bring new collective lessons so it's like we're, we're moving into all of that and matt and i were talking about how this new moon really feels like the setup for that the foundation for that
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in terms of its connections to Pluto, Neptune, Uranus, and Jupiter. We also wanted to talk about Jupiter going into Pisces.
1: Yeah, that'll be a
0: big shift for a lot of people. Yeah, and for a brief minute till about July, then it'll retrograde back into familiar Aquarius, semi-familiar, it hasn't been that long, um, until Pisces again, much later. Um, But anyway, that... This new moon, we were talking about how the Taurus energy that we were feeling, we did our own readings, and we were noticing because of that trying to Pluto and sextile to Neptune, there was an emphasis on Taurus as the firmness of Taurus, and that a lot of people associate Taurus with the Venusian qualities of the decadence and the sensual and everything physical that's like sensual and beautiful and Venusian mm-hmm. we were noticing that Taurus was speaking to us through our readings and more like this firm like Taurus fix like this is how it's going to be really setting that firm and I also want to add into that Taurian firmness Matt that you know I went to the dentist this morning and I was having the thought of oh this is Taurus too like getting your body in check, or areas that need to be cleaned or detoxed, or versus the more Venusian part of the body, feeling more the Pluto aspect, where it's mm-hmm. like letting go of toxins, mental, emotional, physical, that Pluto is asking us to let go. And as we were talking, that this sextile with Neptune, as you were saying, Matt, that sextile is like stoking the fires of the new moon, like bringing in this Neptunian, your highest spiritual good, your highest spiritual intention, the way that you connect spiritually in your own way, however that is, giving you that Taurian firmness to stand true in your intentions, your beliefs, wherever Taurus is in your chart, as as we're also all letting go with that Pluto aspect.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I would probably lead off as we're jumping into this is to note that because these are sextiles and trines, uh, we've been talking about a lot of heavy energy uh, and, you know, a lot of squares where you have to make choices and decisions and you feel under a lot of pressure. This, I mean, there's a lot of transformational work that's happening, but it's also like stuff that is uh, kind of with the flow of the narrative that's been going uh so you're getting this transformation but it's more and in a way it's like this is the message you've been getting uh and you've got it is kind of how it this is working just keep keep with it it.
0: plugging away that aspect of taurus too hold the boat steady keep keep steady um I know for myself, after my reading, I did not want to see that message. I think a lot of us are anxious for change in a positive direction. We've been holding a lot, learning a lot of lessons. There hasn't been a lot of Venusian decadence or bright new chapters. Um, A lot of it has been tumultuous change, which will continue. And just that reminder that the Uranus-Saturn square is the whole year. Um, back to that episode but yeah
1: that, but that's we'll back there in a month uh, yeah again.
0: and but like how you're saying Matt that this new moon is really kind of it's almost feels as we're hashing this out right now like a recommitment a rededication to the intentions you've been making the whole year to the intentions that are already in place but that recommitment which can also be Taurus as well like like mm-hmm. you know a married couple that has another ceremony 10 years later or whatever, like this ritual to really reaffirm.
1: Right. And And then. Yeah, uh, it is reaffirming a lot of what's been going on and also just keeping in mind that this is moving us toward that uh, this next set of eclipses. Uh, That's where we'll see a lot of the the transformation that comes out of this will show up within a month. Uh, as, you know, things start to get heavy again, but hopefully in a way that you're stepping into something, a new chapter, uh, in a way that feels more, uh, you know, grounded in a way. uh, Grounded in your intentions, right? Grounded
0: in your inner tree trunk that you've built with your conscious intentions and the hard work of all the letting go you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that anchor as the eclipse does bring the actual change that's showing up in the physical that you have felt coming, that we all have felt coming, mm-hmm. and how it's that's like that every year with the eclipses, mm-hmm. and also how Matt's saying that we're going to be switching nodes, we've been, and I'll just say it real brief so we can stick with a task, yeah. but We've been very much in Gemini, Sagittarius, where the big collective lesson has been around the mind. And then it's Mm -hmm. going to go more into Taurus, Scorpio, and it's going to switch to being more about the resources, soul. The the body, body. soul, and body. Yeah, the resources being body, money, exchanges externally, Taurus. And then Scorpio being the resource of the soul, the resource Mm -hmm. of deep relationships and the soul that's really the scorpio end, and just it's really kind of that exchange of the resource you know and where we're sourcing so there's going to be a big shift out of the mind and that collectively as the eclipses wrap up a a gemini sagittarius like very mental focus where it's been for how long now have we been in I, these well
1: the nodes uh spend uh About 18 months, a year and a half in the the sign polarities. Uh, So, and they take about 18, 19 years to get around the entire wheel.
0: Yeah, and um, as um, you were sharing last night, Matt, that the solar eclipse after the lunar will still be a... Gemini solar eclipse, but it's not going to be as impactful because the nodes will have switched and it's going to be like so.
1: They won't quite have switched. The the nodes will be at like one degree of uh, Gemini at that point. I went and looked, checked, double checked my math.
0: So just to keep it simple for the listeners, how impactful will the solar eclipse, the lunar is going to be very impactful. It feels like enter the rabbit
1: hole. like. Um well, is well solar the solar
0: eclipse gonna be as powerful that comes
1: yes, back Well, here? the solar the new moon part of the solar eclipse is actually going to happen in late Taurus and then the, that node'll be in Gemini. So there'll be a little bit of a breather from the collective lesson. So there'll probably be more of a uh, more of a personal impact in a way with that solar eclipse. Uh, this, and this happens every time we get close to shifting uh, the nodes into a different set of signs uh, that you get a little overlap. And when that happens, you often find uh, that there's more of an internal personal lesson that that might not necessarily be to te- uh, translate very collectively.
0: Mm, yeah. So. When we get there, we'll go more into that, and when we get to the lunar eclipse and um, full moon in Sagittarius next podcast, we'll get more into that. And and now coming full circle back to the new moon, mm-hmm. let's reaffirm our commitment and our dedication, mm-hmm. Taurus. So you want to look where Taurus is in your chart, and that's where you want to make that commitment. Mine's right on my IC, right on my soul. The, the part that represents how you anchor home in the soul,
1: right? The foundations like your, like what you find security in,
0: yeah, what you find security in, and on a more mundane level, that can be like your home or your mm-hmm. sense of home on a more depth, esoteric level. It's the soul is home,
1: yeah, it's your holy no, too. Um, you know, that's that, uh, it's the bottom of the chart, it's like what you know, what is the bottom line for you? Uh, you know, what's, where do you not budge anymore? What What's, what's the. The holy um, now, the, the sacred now. Mm-hmm. The sacred I now. also
0: read, this is my channel, as we always encourage you to find your channel. I read the IC as the anima or animus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the, the inner opposite of, of the sex of your body or the, if you're not into that, if you're, gen- if you're, how do we talk about it? Cause this isn't about gender.
1: Well, I'm trying um, to understand how to, well, the, think of it as the anima, uh, the anima being the receptive qualities, kind of like we would think of as the, I mean, not the sex feminine, but the kind of larger psychological principle of the feminine. Let's uh, just
0: say yin and yang.
1: Yeah, yin yang I mean, are another. I mean, these things are like it, loosely it, correlated, but they they do for a reason.
0: Here's the simple way to look at it. If you don't, I mean, it came from the ma- ma- the male body and the female body has the polar opposite, invisible body on the inside a male body has an inner female a female body has an inner male Mm -hmm. so whatever you identify with is the opposite so even if you identify with not identifying if you're fluid then maybe your inner opposite is not fluid maybe your inner opposite is very exact of something like it's the main thing to understand this is Jungian and the main principle of the depth in the Jungian is that we are whole mm-hmm. what we present as externally has its opposite internally that's the main thing to understand mm-hmm. and that you want to and that the i see i read that as that internal source point
1: right and that's why the mirror becomes like an image for what we're talking about here because when you look at yourself in the mirror you're the uh, picture that gets brought back to you is flipped around uh, from uh, what someone else who would be looking at you would see.
0: And how your own ego sees yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at the IC, the way I read it, the MC is how I see myself. I have a Scorpio MC, I'm a Scorpio Sun, Midhaven, so I see myself as very Scorpio, very, uh, and I present that way. I'm super esoteric and deep. I'm a therapist, tarot, astrology. I wear black all the. It just doesn't get more Scorpio. So <laughs> inside the opposite, the I see, my animus, mm-hmm. is Taurus, and I've done my own visualizing because I'm a cis, female identified, my. Opposite, my animus is a sit feels very like cis masculine. I've seen him as a seaman alone on the sea. Um sturdy, like a Taurus, a sturdy, steady loner guy. Mm-hmm. That is very logical because my external me is very intuitive. So the animus is totally logical. My midheaven, my external self is very psychic and spiritual he this part inside of me feels very um reason logic nature kind of reminds me of darwin on his adventures on the sea wanting to study life you know still as deep and investigative as the top half of me the outer half of me but more of the taurus level of things like scientific and nature you know so that you might resonate with the um if you have taurus in your fourth house or on your ic as well as being your inner opposite that's not going to be for the select few and a good way to know offhand if you don't have your chart that it would be the your rising sign it would be how many out
1: uh it would be uh four you're dividing yeah. the chart by four so you have your your rising sign uh, is your first house. Your uh, fourth house is so like mine. I'm Aries rising, so my fourth house is Cancer.
0: So you have a Cancer IC mm-hmm. and a Capricorn midheaven, which I can totally attest as knowing Matt when he's one of my best friends. That you know you definitely have this outer Capricornian self, and mm-hmm. and I can and but you, I feel your inner Cancer the inner self that's so nurturing and um, attuning and comforting.
1: Well, it's been a process of learning to uh, grow accustomed to that because, uh, well, for instance, as uh, a cis male in this particular society, you know, I got a lot of messages about what uh, I'm supposed to be as that uh, right. particular manifestation. And that is to not be emotional, to get things done, to fix everything. And, uh, you know, that those things can be great. That, those Capricornian, uh, ambitious, uh, collective, uh, problem solving kind of traits. But, uh, you know, I had, you know, in my thirties and I had to start learning how to, uh, open up to that, uh, the inner feminine and start to learn how to listen. Uh, and I didn't really realize I wasn't doing that so well before, but it was like, uh, you know, having these moments where you, you start to learn to embrace something that's not easy for you, that feels so out of whack because it's goes against like what you've, identify right.
0: with and what the narrative cultural narrative has taught you as well yeah. be, oh,
1: what i've been identified with i think that's one of yeah. the big things yeah
0: i mean and so it's no matter if you're like you know matt and i happen to be classic sort of mundane cis people um so we can't speak firsthand but or and um whatever if you are not cis you're basically marginalized and the cultural narrative basically you're going to be raised struggling to be yourself mm-hmm. so when you understand that that there's that part in your haven, in your outer self and in your rising sign mm-hmm. you know how has your familial and cultural upbringing brainwashed you <laughs> let's just come out and say yeah. it because we all know that there's a lot of toxicity and that the I see down mm-hmm. at the bottom of the chart right there is a secret key to understanding not only who you are and your opposite, whether you fall in a, in a marginalized or non or privileged position within the culture, that both privileged and marginalized have been given a cultural narrative that is not correct right that is not authentic you know and and that is a layer on top of the layer that just naturally which what Jung was talking about we shadow a lot of ourselves a lot of it's the cultural narrative and familiar upbringing but also our psyches just naturally do that too that there's going to be the opposite invisible and it's getting to know your inner self as much as your outer self so there are those couple layers and how the IC and Midhaven and then the rising sign and the descendant can be keys to that.
1: Right. And part of, you know, part of what Young was often talking about was uh, how, you know, these things that these roles that are given to us as we're growing up and this conditioning, sometimes, you know, what we're doing is learning how to undo that. Uh, So we're learning how not to be put in those categories. And that's part of collectively what, yeah, yeah, so a lot of I mean, that's the whole key of the IC. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that when you
0: unlock the IC and the descendant, these are kind of the inner self, like my inner self is a Taurus Leo. And I have to say that I've never identified with any Taurus Leo traits. But since doing shadow work and discovering animus and shadow, I now identify heavily with both I definitely have uncovered the Leo part of me that that just wants to be like look at me world look at my stuff look Mm -hmm. at me you know and also identify the stoic um, explorer on the ship that wants to study sea life you know like metaphorically speaking and now I identify with these aspects like Darwin and Madonna or something, you know, like <laughs> that. the former, the me that hadn't done that work yet would have been like poo-pooing either projection, like, oh, you're just showing off because I haven't integrated my own desire to be a show off or like, oh, I'm so just not logic, reason, science, and like mm-hmm. poo-pooing it, you know. So the IC and the descendant can be keys.
1: And that can often be a good starting point for recognizing where the shadow work is starts, is when you catch yourself poo-pooing things. It's yeah. like, oh wait, maybe I need to sit with this and figure out what's going on here. Um why am I being, because really what we're doing when we're poo-pooing stuff is we're being dismissive, even though we don't intend to be. And, uh, and that's what the dismission, dismissiveness, dismission, that's the word. <laughs> <Dismission>. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, dismissiveness. Yeah.
0: The dismissiveness is how you're unconsciously shadowing. You could be dismissive. You could be flippant. You could be super judgmental. These are three ways the ego is basically saying, I'm not looking inside, I'm not looking inside. Nope, 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 not safe, not good, not doing it. So mm-hmm. instead, I'm just gonna judge you, judge that, judge this, dismiss it or be flippant about it, not respect it, not honor it so that I can just not look inside and see that this is in me on some, in some degree. Right. You know, so
1: that's the, I see, I feel, this it's is also different. a very Taurus kind of thing, too, in a way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just feel like whatever your IC is, I, I recharge this way now, is I always look to the IC as the inner opposite, the main soul opposite of mm-hmm. the ego identification. You know, so persona is the midhaven, anima animus is the IC, ego is the rising, shadow is the descendant
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the Jungian terms of it that's how i read so that whole diatribe um Mm -hmm. (laughs) if taurus or pluto or pluto's in capricorn taurus uh, new moon and taurus or neptune and pisces if any of those are on your ic or descendant could be a call to
1: yeah really on any of your angles uh the ascendant descendant I see mid because you're yeah. be dealing with the opposite either way because the way the polarities work. So right,
0: yeah that that you can and again these are just my channels where the rising feels more like ego and the mid haven feels more like persona, which mm-hmm. are very similar. The rising sign is kind of more general umbrella outer personality, whereas the mid haven is more. I like how you said last night curated. I keep <laughs> hearing that word and like. A more curated version of your um, like general outer personality. It's focused more on either career or like what you want to give or do or contribute.
1: Well, yeah, it's what I tend to, when I'm talking with clients, I'll talk about the midheaven and the 10th uh, house as being uh, how, what you get recognized for. Uh, so what do people see? What do people see about you? Um, and some of that changes over time as things transit through there, but. Uh, yeah, it always
0: changes. Everything's changing over time. But yeah, I like that, that that's like kind of what you're recognized for.
1: Because. Yeah, I see. Bit- yeah, right. the I is like what you wish people would recognize you for in a way. So there's that polarity. uh pulling uh against each other so that you yeah, wish you could see the things like i
0: that. don't feel that for me i feel like my ic is more like what i need to learn to see about myself and and integrate i don't wish people could see me as taurus but i feel like i need i feel that more with the descendant but again mm-hmm. i for me it's more wanting to see it myself mm-hmm. you know so i think that's going to depend on person to person, maybe you wish others would see it in you because that, you know, that might be at your experience. Maybe you want to see it more in yourself. It's just the unintegrated parts mm-hmm. of you that are on that IC line and fourth house and then the, the seventh house and what rules the seventh house. And that's really going to give you big keys to what needs integrating And that if the new moon is falling on that for you, like it is for me, um, now that we've talked about all this, after last night's reading, I kind of understand, oh, I need to be this Taurus man, Mm -hmm. not a Scorpio woman right now. And it's like, oh, it kind of clicks into place Mm -hmm. that this stoic, logical, curious, reason oriented Taurus man in me. (laughs) <laughs> knows how to get through the next month whereas the fluid scorpio feminine in me doesn't she's not going to do too well the next month so it's kind of forcing me to develop more of the hidden your self.
1: sea legs
0: my sea <laughs> legs yeah so if the new moon is falling on your descendant or i see it might be a call to develop and activate these hidden parts of yourself, these shadowed
1: parts. Mm -hmm.
0: And the new moon for you, Matt, is where? It's
1: in my second house. Uh, That's right. Pretty uh, pretty close to my natal Jupiter. So, and I've been going through a lot of these lessons about trying to embrace uh, the big picture and the optimism uh, even when things don't look so optimistic. Uh, And to hold my own dignity. That's another lesson with Jupiter too. So this new moon is kind of bringing a lot of those things back for me it's like, I, you know, I see these, uh, what the cards say and everything seems like, okay, we're here again. Let's keep plugging away. Um, Holding
0: firm your intentions.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't let things slide. Uh, which is a tendency I have sometimes is to just let it slide and it'll come. Uh, we'll come back to it again later, but um, Aries, you know, I'm getting tired of coming back to it again later. So it's time to stand in it.
0: That's what Matt and I were feeling about this Taurus vibe, yeah. Because your Aries Sagittarius could let slide, save a later, trust luck, you know, do all that fiery stuff, and the Taurus is like, no, you need to actually reinstate your intentions and communicate and stay firm in them and mm-hmm. you know i feel that for myself too where the scorpio wants to self-destruct burn it to the ground find the magic make it super magical something scorpionic it's like i need to do the taurus thing like no it's not about it's just like just you know be on your ship on the sea and do what you gotta do and mm-hmm. my taurus man too he's stocky you know He's like a stocky dude, you know? It's like (laughs) salty and stocky. Arg.
1: (laughs) Very
0: very arg, but not like... But he's more, you know, quiet and um, refined in a way. He's not like, you know, a pirate by any means. Um, (laughs) Not like that. He's not like fiery. So, So where Pluto is is where the letting go needs to happen in your chart. Like for me, it's 12th house. So I'm letting go of a lot of multi-generational wounds. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I set up my my four pack with my Reiki healer. And the first session I had yesterday was all about an ancestral wound showing up to be released. So that makes perfect sense that these ancestral patterns are kind of what's been holding me back in the feminine bloodline. Mm-hmm. so uh what about you matt where's pluto in your chart
1: uh it's in my 10th house so it has a lot to do with you know what we were just talking about a second ago about the uh you know how what are you know how am i being perceived by others uh, and uh in particular like uh well i mean i you know I, dealing with how do I you know my authority, my sense of authority right, authority and, uh, you know trying to rest in uh, rest in the authority so I'm not like trying to wrestle for it all the time
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, rest in authority. So in a way Pluto's asking you to let go of the struggle with authority. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah and the inner authority in particular like
0: right to just be your own leader. Mm -hmm. firm Taurus firm and that's again what Matt and I keep feeling with this Taurus vibe this time around is the firmness of it the steadiness of it you know not maybe not so much the you know laying in the in the you know I always think of Cleopatra on her bard with her fruits you know just (laughs) not that kind of Taurus and not the Taurus that's like the big bowl that's like ah oh, I'm right. going to ruin the China and the China shop, you know, <laughs> but more like, you know, just the firm and steady presence that, that doesn't budge no matter what's happening, a firm and steady presence. And then, um, right. and then Neptune for me, this is where we're getting stoked, like the help from, from oneness stoking. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's in the second house, which is kind of weird. Um, such a weird Neptune placement because Neptune is like the spiritual oneness and the second house is the, the res- the physical resources. But mm-hmm. I guess my physical resources are all spiritual. I mean, my work is I get paid for doing spiritual work. I am covered in spiritual materials, mm-hmm. uh, everything. I got like my tinctures, my oils. Um, it's like, I'm kind of surrounded in that second house resource is all like spiritual so maybe that's saying that my work with clients and all of my tools and magical offerings and supplies is the stoking is like keeping me going Mm -hmm. and and where's neptune for you
1: uh in the 12th house
0: Ooh, so that's like Mm -hmm. archetypal which reminds me of all of the Work you've been doing with um, like your necklace, and I don't know if you want to. Oh, share, yeah. I don't know if you want to share anything. Oh, yeah, this
1: it. is a great little talisman uh, for uh, the uh, fixed star Vega. Uh, so the the vulture here with the Lyra is the constellation Lyra and Vega is the uh, like the throat chakra in that constellation. So uh, I've been working on. Uh, getting in touch with uh, these kind of planetary energies, the fixed stars. Uh, and, you know, some of that's been dealing with a lot of intergenerational shit.
0: Wondering. Yeah. It's I'll like be quite honest. So, you're using yeah. the archetypes of the 12th house in a very magical way, very intentional and magical to purify and release the, the uh, ancestral wounding and multi-generational patterns that are Mm -hmm. also 12th house so that so neptune that's interesting that neptune's where pluto is for me so um it's kind of two versions of that 12th house work whereas neptune is probably in the 12th house for you giving you a lot of expansion through your magical ritual work
1: yeah well and it's also you know uh well there's that myth of orpheus uh i mean this is the Lyra is the the uh Lear of uh, Orpheus, who went to the underworld to try and uh, save uh, Eurydice uh, and failed, uh, made it to the underworld and got out, but did not bring his beloved back. Uh, and so there's a lot about you know going down into the depths and you know dealing with disappointment and not getting what you want uh, yeah. and being okay with that.
0: Yeah, doing the 12th house work is always about going to the deepest underworld. The eighth house is the personal shadow uh, and the 12th house is the multi-generational ancestral collective shadow where all the archetypes live as well. And when, you're, when you have anything going in that house or anything natally there, you're very connected to those lands, that land. And that sometimes you do retrieve a great love and bring it back, an aspect of self. Sometimes you let it go when you're down there and you don't.
1: Yeah, or you let go of the external things that you thought you wanted.
0: Yeah, you let go of the external things that you thought you wanted. I mean, every underworld journey is different. For those of you who have like a Aquarius or late Capricorn rising, you've had Pluto in your 12th house for a long time. Mm-hmm. anyone with like i don't know i don't know how late capricorn degree but it's intense because i've had pluto oh. in the 12th house forever and until 2026 when you're late capricorn early aquarius rising pluto and then you know pluto going to go into your first house which is its own version of wherever pluto is is a lot mm-hmm. Nep- neptune brings a lot of beautiful i think this beautiful spiritual expansion if you connect to it if you don't connect to your neptune where where it's at you're gonna use it you're gonna go into escapism Mm -hmm. drugs alcohol food sex attention you're just gonna like jim morris in it and it's gonna be more destructive and then taurus would probably then just be all the physical things you're doing to destroy and then pluto would just be the final end you create through your escape is self-destructive tendencies <laughs> like the shadow right the shadow is you're not going to grow or change at all you're just going to spend the next month intoxicated on whatever your neptunian escape is and then reaching the same bottom you've already reached that would be the shadow right so it can you know you have to use the opportunity to work the magic or like to use the these energies to grow and evolve and heal versus just follow kind of the influences of fate
1: yeah well i mean uh I fate feel. is gonna get you wherever you're at um but you know it's a yeah it's about opening up to your participation in the narrative. I mean the way
0: i see it my definition is there's fate and there's destiny fate is what happens to you when you're not conscious and you're not consciously creating healing growing evolving mm-hmm. destiny is what you step into once you are and that every choice we make is another parallel reality is another it we can't understand the sacred math behind it all of how mm-hmm. our consciousness is in the parallel reality it's in because it's way bigger than we can comprehend but what you can right. just understand fabulistically is that every choice you make puts you in a new reality right and if you don't make the choices or if you just let fate carry you that's your right there's no judgment again like the oneness does not judge it's not like you better do this, or there's going to be consequences that are bad. And that might be the case where your lack of choice leads you to the same consequences or consequences that don't feel good, but not because you're bad, not because there's an external judge, but just because that's what happens when there's not growth. You just repeat.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're leaving yourself up to the um capriciousness in a way of fate um and you're less there's a lot of control in how we accept the things that come to us um and i don't mean that as in like the positivity police kind of thing but there is is a way of
0: serenity prayer matt is that what you mean yeah
1: it's accepting you know some of what i i can't control um, and, you know, trying to recognize where I do have more and more control um, and stepping into it. And it's a con- continual process. It's uh, that
0: discernment is very Capricornian where Pluto is. And I think maybe that this aspect, I feel Pluto speaking to me now as you bring this aspect up, that like the surrendering prayer, you know, universe, give me the wisdom to accept the things I cannot change, change the things I can and know the difference. It's Mm -hmm. like that discernment is knowing the difference. What do I need to accept and what can I change? And that discernment is very Capricornian. It's really being able to look at the situation for what it is and really assess, like, do I need to accept this? Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, at the dentist this morning, I had to accept that I have to be there every four months forever because of gum receipt rec, my gums receding and mm-hmm. what that's causing so it's like i can the only change i can make is to make sure i get to the dentist every four months right but I, but I can't have to surrender and be like all right that's
1: you know like yeah i mean you could keep skipping the dentist but then you'll be back at the dentist anyway
0: well and that's where fate i mean and that's the thing is like when you don't make the changes That you can make because of anxiety, fear, or whatever block is there, you're just going to repeat, or your teeth are just going to decay and fall out, or you're going to just have this outcome that isn't going to feel good, isn't going to be in your benefit. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: when you keep putting it off, you keep coming back to it. Uh, Oh, gosh,
0: I'm so glad I mentioned the dentist again, because that just highlighted another aspect of like, I did put it off through COVID and then a little bit longer. And I probably wouldn't have had to do the deep cleaning again, had I not waited so long. But the reason why I waited so long is because I was afraid. Mm -hmm. And instead of facing my fear, I gave into my fear. This is a very familiar pattern for me. This Mm -hmm. is ancestral. It's Pluto 12th house both of my parents are high-level fear, I think, probably down the bloodlines. Fear, 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 you know, not an, adventurous, not an adventurous, bold bloodline, you know?
1: Right, and um, we live in a very fearful culture, like, uh, you don't really have to look very far to see how afraid everyone is all the time, so yeah. It's-
0: I mean, I, I, it's in the culture, but I really feel it in this 12th house way in the ancestral, like the fear that I naturally have always had is not mine. It's, it's the bloodlines and it has, Mm -hmm. it has spent, I've spent my whole life, um, victim to it Mm -hmm. in my youth when I had severe anxiety and PTSD as an adult, I've healed from those things, but now I have this huge consequence from being afraid of the dentist and like the whole theme has been facing fear. And I'm just making the connection now that this is ancestral Mm -hmm. because of the Pluto 12th house, you know? And so the wisdom to know the difference, if it's fear, you got to face it, you know, in the right amount for me. you Mm -hmm. know. So it's really powerful where Pluto is and how, and working with Pluto, because it's like, and then connecting it with my stoic inner man, my Taurus inner man, he is not afraid. This guy, like he mm-hmm. is so stoic and strong, and like not strong in you know the patriarchal point. He's not like insensitive and you know removed right. from feeling. He's just this is what it is. Face it. Mm-hmm. Just put one foot in front of the other. And you'll yeah. get through it just like I do, just like when I spent three years on the sea all by myself uh, studying the patterns of the sky, mm-hmm. you know, like that's how it's working. Pluto is like showing you, you know, where your fears, anxieties, roadblock, were all, you know, blocks are always fear and anxiety. Right. Essentially. <laughs> So wherever Pluto is in your chart, that house that it's in and what it's aspecting is really showing you what you need to let go of, how you need to walk through. And sometimes letting go, like for me, letting go is facing fear. For mm-hmm. Matt, letting go is being a firm inner authority.
1: Mm-hmm. So letting well, go- It involves a little bit of facing fear too, but yeah. yeah well i guess fear
0: is always at the root right yeah so for you it's facing fear and holding firm in your authority for me it's facing fear and taking these steps Mm -hmm. and maybe that's the second house part with neptune for me too with the body all that body stuff is so scary you know like Mm -hmm. teeth, gums bones
1: yeah well i mean and the well i mean the the houses that saturn rules often tend to bring up fear as well as the other things in the houses. Right.
0: That's good to note. Wherever yeah. uh whatever house Saturn rules. Which so, would be
1: wherever Capricorn and Aquarius are in your Yeah, uh, child, whatever pretty
0: house, much. Yeah, Capricorn Aquarius is where there's going to be more of that karmic fear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's so so now as we've hashed this out a lot more, like we're really kind of succinctly getting to the root of like This new moon is about firmly facing fear and doing the thing you're afraid of. Mm -hmm. And that the spiritual stoking, that spirit is with you. However you see spirit, God, goddess, Jesus, universe, nature, being, it doesn't matter. It's the transpersonal, whatever is beyond the self. That part Mm -hmm. can nourish you right now, can bring ease, can bring grace, can bring nourishment, can just help you like face
1: yeah well and it can also you know invigorate that firmness yeah, uh, that inv- you're getting it dealing with in taurus that's getting awakened uh by this kind of spiritual uh uh connection that uh, neptune represents
0: i i think also like the way that 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 invigoration i think for me is the same thing as nourishment i think for me nurture nurturing is invigorating mm-hmm. yeah um, it is versus maybe a more like go get him tiger you know or like whatever <laughs> well, i mean if you
1: think about how food works that's really what it does it like invigorates the body uh break you know it breaks apart and goes to feed the different parts of the body so it is a pretty intense uh biological process
0: yeah so if you think about neptune doing that to our souls right now to like our life path right now it's helping us metabolize the struggle and that the struggle mm-hmm. is actually the grist you mm-hmm. know and the struggle is rooted in pluto's house you know for mm-hmm. Matt, it's authority for me it's these ancestral wounds the the firmness needed is where the taurus part is hmm You know, for Matt, it's in your physical resources and with Jupiter and staying expansive there. And for me, it's this Taurus man inside of me and Mm -hmm. which is actually a huge part of me that I need to bring up from the shadow and, and then Neptune, wherever that is, is where you're getting the metabolizing help. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's in the physical resources and, um, where's your Neptune? I just blanked. Where's uh,
1: 12th, 12th house
0: oh right so for you it's yeah your your magic work and mm-hmm. that's and that now makes sense that when we simmer that down to like facing fear and mm-hmm. holding firm that's what we need it feels like going up the roller coaster right And that as soon as we get hit that full moon it's going down for the ride
1: right well and uh well With the new moon, this new moon is setting a couple of stages. I mean, setting the stage for the eclipse season ending, but probably most importantly, uh, which we haven't talked about yet, and we see if we can Uh, squeeze it in here at the end. But Jupiter is squaring the new moon. Jupiter is in the last degree of Aquarius. Uh, Jupiter is going to be giving that Neptune a supercharge uh, over the next few months. And Jupiter... Uh, traditionally was seen as the uh, ruler of pisces Pisces. Uh, so even in the modern sense now you're getting both the uh, uh, traditional and more modern rulers of pisces are are going to be at home Uh, yeah pisces
0: was first ruled by jupiter and then by neptune they're going to be together now through july as when and May 13th is that when it moves into Pisces out of the last May
1: 12th? So it'll be Wednesday as this is airing pretty much okay. uh, on uh, YouTube and okay. the podcast. So, as you're
0: so, listening to this, Jupiter's going into Pisces, supercharging yeah. Neptune, supercharging the Pisces attributes,
1: right? And if you think about it, like the uh, uh if you've been feeling like uh, you're in a car where someone's driving with both the foot on the gas and the foot on the brake at the same time uh that's probably been this influence of having saturn and jupiter together in aquarius at the same time uh and now jupiter is going to get its own like Fresh injection of dignity, and uh, you know, bring that expansiveness. She
0: said, "More,
1: (laughs) bring that expansiveness. The fullness uh, of the benefits that Jupiter has to bring will be accessible. So it'll it'll probably feel a lot less like." you're kind of taking a step forward, taking a step back, taking a step forward. And to
0: explain a... that the reason why it's the brake and the gas pedal, same time is because Saturn and Jupiter are like opposite Saturn's like, this is what holds you mm-hmm. back. Jupiter's like, this is what, this is forward auspicious, great, easy movement. So they're side by side. It's like, am I moving forward or am I moving back? I can't tell. Right. And then the, the fresh injection. Yeah. Of Jupiter is gets to be free of saturn and be in its own ruling sign it's have its own ruling sign and planet Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the original and i love how jupiter's originally um pisces is originally wait i'm getting
1: dyslexic yes jupiter's originally the uh rule seen as the ruler of pisces yeah uh and you know and along with sagittarius both of the highly spiritual signs in a way
0: Yeah, it's so cool that as we know that Jupiter is all about expansion and luck, that its original ruler with Pisces is saying through spiritual connection, through that oneness, that all one forgiveness, acceptance, Mm -hmm. unconditional love, forgiveness, acceptance, unconditional love, forgiveness, acceptance, unconditional love, forgiveness, acceptance, unconditional love, love." will never fail to expand you, will never fail to give you Mm -hmm. luck will never fail to help you move forward with grace and ease it will always work mm-hmm. it may not look like how you think because the ego always wants a specific cookie mm-hmm. but if you give unconditional love instead of conditional love you give acceptance instead of resistance hmm Yeah. You forgive what you've been holding on to, you will release, there will be major movement.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, you know, this is one, for me, this has probably been the biggest lesson in working with, uh, working against those cultural narratives that I grew up with, that were all, you know, uh, very Saturnian, Uh, you know, you don't work, you don't eat, you don't, you know, those kind of Uh, harsh realities. Um, And so like, when you embrace the idea of being generous to uh, people, to the planet, to animals, to, you know, when you embrace your generosity, it comes back to you. Uh, You know, it. you don't, I mean, yes, you might still get, you know, people might still slight you in certain ways, but uh, on the whole, as you it's, give of yourself uh, uh, in a very a, generous way, uh, very it, you you em, enhance your own kind of internal dignity, um, and it has a kind of snowballing effect.
0: Yeah, the snowballing effect of your internal dignity puts you in a vibrational puts you in vibrational match with others that are doing the same may not you might see decrease in conflict and crappiness or you may see more of a decrease in not caring about it mm-hmm. and I'm thinking a lot about the culture wars right now you know and I, and I and as I say that I want to differentiate the really extreme levels of it versus the more mild levels like Um, I have friends who don't believe in the vaccination. They're not horrible people. They don't want to promote that guy that was president. They're not like racist. You know, they're super progressive loving people that just don't believe in the vaccination. I do. I've received it. I want herd immunization. Um, I stand for that or like, I want that, but I'm not, I don't have to, hate judge uh those that i know and don't know that aren't like that that don't feel that way like that this would be that jupiter pisces energy is like i can still say you have the right to feel that way Mm you know and even if i feel threatened because do i yeah i do i'm totally i i'm a human that thinks covid can spread and but I can still say, I feel threatened, and I honor you.
1: Yeah. I mean, even if you didn't think that COVID could spread, everything's shut down. <laughs> it's really hard to avoid. And uh, just
0: the main point being that there's a big difference between hating and judging those that hold mm-hmm. a different belief right? versus disagreeing and being vulnerable enough to say, I feel threatened, and still honoring the human being. Now, again, right. I'm talking more about I'm not talking about extreme bigots, racists, supporters of the guy that are just like on cloud nine of delusion. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a certain level of psychosis or mental illness or something that takes place where there's just no love. And right. I still love, I still don't judge or hate those people personally, cause I'm like a Neptune soul. And I, you know, I have loved, forgiven and accepted my own abusers of which mm-hmm. there's been more than one that's me that's what i follow but i'm not going to judge people that don't follow that you know it's just more like radical acceptance is like you know for those that aren't causing all that harm i guess what i'm trying to say is i want to be empathetic towards that struggle at the same time open an invitation towards you can still feel threatened and you can still disagree
1: hmm
0: without judging and hating right judgment and hatred are not necessary to disagree and feel scared mm-hmm. you can have you can just stay at i disagree and i feel scared you can just stay mm-hmm. there like you don't have to lose love you don't have to right. cauterize your connection to love and be like and you are less than me, and you're stupid, and I hate you. You don't have to go there.
1: Yeah, that's well, there's that, uh, that kind of projection that happens when we're blaming other people because of what we're afraid of, um, that uh, instead of just saying, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and I that, think that's the important lesson is to that's, just...
0: that that's That's Neptune, right? Mm-hmm. And that's Jupiter in Pisces. Like, that's Pisces. Pisces is the vulnerability to say, I feel scared, I feel threatened, I feel helpless, and I disagree. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to stay there instead of, you know, because I still love you. I still love you. And if you don't love the person, if they're far out there, or, you know, it's like, I still love life itself, and you're a part of life itself. So from this like zoomed out detached perspective, I give love to all and I don't want to know you and I don't want to advocate for you, but I don't, again, I don't have to hate you. I don't have to go into judgment and hatred because I feel so scared and upset about what I feel is happening that you're causing.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the that's the important thing. Is like sometimes, yeah, it's really hard to there. There are some people that it's going to be really, really hard and impossible to embrace the idea of loving that individual. Yeah, it's a
0: way tall order. That's
1: a that's and that yeah. When we're talking abuse and
0: and uh, yeah, for people closer to you. Yeah. aren't on that severe end i don't want to waste the podcast talking about the severe end of the right.
1: spectrum but but the idea is like you can back out to find at least something uh to embrace the love instead of sitting in the fear projecting the fear um, well that's
0: the thing about this is the thing about pisces it's not mental right love is not mental why do i love my abusers because i just do I love everyone. I just feel it. I've always felt it. That's never been hard for me. Other things are really hard for me that people are great at that I'm crappy at. So I'm on I have my own fingerprint of crappy and gifted. But like it, it's just not that love has to get cultivated, I guess is the point I want to make.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And the more that it cultivates and the more that you feel it, the less you need to go into hatred and judgment. But you can't necessarily mentally force yourself into love. You can't be like, not going to judge, not going to hate, going to love, love, love. Like it, <laughs> right. it doesn't really work that way. But if you do your own work, you do your own shadow work, you do your letting go, you empower, you do your own work on yourself, the love naturally gets uncovered because it's in there or it gets developed because maybe it's never been in there, but you're learning how to cultivate it through caring for yourself or yeah. you know,
1: care so, for yourself spiritual practice is another uh, yeah yeah just you know start with things that are easier to focus love on and go from there and get get yourself in a practice of loving that's yeah. not stuck in the mind where you that's, have to,
0: that's, that's the main takeaway when we honor the bell is yeah. you can't mentally force yourself to love cultivate a practice or practices and I do recognize the tall order I sometimes can come from when speaking. And i um, glad that we, you were able to come in with that and like tone it down. Like just meet yourself where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, as like 5% more, 1% more.
1: Baby steps as Bill Murray. <laughs> Baby uh, steps
0: to cultivate more love in your heart, more open heart. Right. Cleaning the heart, purifying the heart. It's a felt
1: experience. Mm -hmm. And on that, we're going to take baby steps towards the next podcast. (laughs) So uh, until next time, uh, you know, uh, check out our websites, uh, you know, book greetings with us or drop us a note, let us know, uh, you know, what... uh, you like about the show what you want to talk about we want to hear from you uh priestess mercury podcast at gmail.com you can leave comments in the uh youtube uh you know until next time you know we uh we're here for you lots of love and blessings